0: few of us had the opportunity to go to a conference, uh the Missile Alliance conference, over the last few days. And we were talking about resurrection, um, as we have been here at Renew, but what it means to be truly human. And a lot of the conversations were talking about um, gender and racial reconciliation and all these things. And so um, in light of what's been going on in Baltimore and violence around the world, uh I've been really Burden to pray, and so I want to pray, but um, I was reminded of a, a story uh, that I read maybe about a year ago, but uh, Justo Gonzalez, who's a Latin American theologi- theologian, uh, said, wrote in a book, he was talking to a gentleman about retirement, and he asked this gentleman, well, what do you want to do when you retire? He's like, oh, I'm so excited to retire, I'm so excited to retire, what are you going to do? I, I'm going to go fishing every day. I can't wait to go fishing. And who still asked him, well, do you fish now? And the guy responded, no, I've never been fishing. So, <laughs> well, how do you know that you're going to want to fish in your retirement? Shouldn't you be practicing what you vision in the future doing? And I think that that's a very relevant picture for us, um, because I think the Bible paints some really, really beautiful pictures of, of what the kingdom and what God's reign looks like. And so I want to read some passages of that vision, and, and then I want to pray for those as well. Uh, first from Revelation 7, 9-10. through 10, After this I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great roar, Salvation comes! From our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. And the second passage is from Psalm 85, uh, 10 through 13. Unfailing love and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. Truth springs up from the earth and righteousness smiles down from heaven. Yes, the Lord pours down His blessings. Our land will yield its bountiful harvest. Righteousness goes as a herald before Him, preparing the way for His steps. So will you continue in that spirit of prayer with me? Triune God you who live and move in shalom community of parent, son, and Holy Spirit. You created your world with beautiful difference and diversity and breathed your life into all creation, inviting it all into your shalom community. That is the vision of your coming reign. God, through your Son, Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit, Help us to participate now in the vision and ethics of your reign. God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for Ange and Tiffany and Chrissy and their willingness to share the ways in which you have been moving in their life, the ways in which you are building community uh, through the women's groups, I thank you for the community that you are building and Renew. And I thank you that that vision extends beyond the Renew community. I pray that you would continue to inspire us. Holy Spirit, now as we turn to your word, I pray that you would lead us. Give us vision for what you want us to see and hear in our discussion this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So the passage that we looked at, hopefully you were able to look at uh, last week at House Church, I know some of the men were away at the retreat, uh, it comes from John 21, 15 through 25, and I want to just lay out a little bit of context that I have found has kind of changed my perspective of this passage uh, as I've been reading it. Uh, Most of the time we see this passage as uh, relating to Peter's denial. And I I think that correlates uh, very well. But I want to lay some contextual, um, just context, not contextual, just context. Um, So this culture was an honor and shame culture in the first century, which is, for me at least, uh, very different from what I've been taught. And so in the honor and shame culture, Peter's denial, him denying his rabbi, was a horrendous affront, not only to Peter himself, but to Jesus. To deny your rabbi, that's like the utmost insult, okay? So a little context, like it's not just something Peter's feeling guilty about, he's probably feeling great shame. He shamed not only himself, but Jesus, his rabbi. And so there's also a difference between guilt and shame. Uh, guilt, and I believe J.R. taught about this last summer, guilt, we often say, well, I did something wrong, and so I need to confess and make it right. Where shame says, I am wrong, and I want to hide, and I want to cover up, and I don't want to deal with it, because I'm ashamed. And in this honor and shame culture, only a higher person can restore your honor. Only a higher person can eliminate your shame. So I think that gives us some context as well. And the last thing I want to note is that love, which we'll see in this passage, is not just the affection that we often uh, relate it to in our Western culture. Uh, Love in, in that first century context dealt a lot with showing honor and duty and respect and piety. Okay, so when Jesus asks, do you love me, there's a little bit of uh, nuance in that love than what we often see. Uh, so I'm going to read John 21, 15 through 25, and then we'll allow some time for you all to discuss a little bit. It says, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. So the rumor spread among the community of believers that this disciple wouldn't die. But that isn't what Jesus said at all. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This disciple is the one who testifies to these events and has recorded them here. And we know that his account of these things is accurate. Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. And so I'll invite you to gather in groups of three or four and wrestle with some of the questions that we've been asking as we read through these passage. What's happening in this passage? What encourages you? What discomforts you? And what does this show us about the nature of Jesus? And what implications does it have? So take a, a five minutes and gather up with some people around you and share what you see going on in this passage. Yeah, so uh, let's open it up. Um, what did you all see? What did you notice? What's happening in this passage? Anything sticking out to you this time? Did the concept of honor and shame change anything for anybody? Make you see anything new that you hadn't seen before? So Peter didn't really do anything to get his act straight. It was Jesus who reached out to Peter to honor him and restore his honor. Yeah. Somebody, I heard somebody else. Okay, go ahead. Well, to
1: follow up on what just being said, I just saw this. So I saw more love than the NIV put. Peter, some very formal, sorry, back in the on that. It helped me to. I don't understand machine and modern culture. I understand quite the ways of McDonald's. <laughs> it, we're so much different.
0: Mm-hmm. I like having a background. Yeah, Liam.
2: Christ endorses him because he's chasing after Jesus. he's He's human. He's as far as he's concerned, as far as he's concerned, he's over. He's
3: completely lost any endorsement from the God of the universe. His rebellion has lost him
2: everything. And then Christ decides that that's just not true. And I like
0: that a lot because that's me too. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I think for me one of the things that kind of switch my perspective is I've always kind of wondered, well so Jesus or Peter hears about the resurrection and he runs to the tomb. And we're kind of we talked about this before, like what's his attitude there? And then after he's seen the resurrected Jesus, he's out fishing and like, well, why why are you going fishing? And in some ways, I wonder if Peter's in this tension of the only person who can restore me, I thought was dead, but now you're telling me he's alive, that's awesome because there's some potential there, but oh crap, like I really, really screwed up. And so I, I don't know if I want to. He's not dealing with guilt. It doesn't seem. To. I think if he was guilt, feeling guilty, he would have been like, "Jesus, I'm so sorry. Like, I confess, I denied you." But he's like, "I don't, I don't know what to do. I, I don't know how this relationship is going to be restored." And that's where Jesus steps in. Says, and and it's interesting too. Jesus' question is not, "Peter, did you deny me?" You can. Th- Completely switches the conversation, and yet is still restoring in that act. Uh, any other thoughts? Yeah, April.
3: Um, so at first, I kind of felt the same way about the whole like he's restoring him. He uh, he's restoring him. He wants to uh, absolve him from whatever shame or guilt that he's feeling. But then, while well, you're sitting here, Pete has a study Bible, and it you kind of talked about. You know, I'm cheating, of course, reading through this because I'm a scholar of (laughs) Bible. But it says that Jesus asked Peter three times if he loved him. The first time, Jesus said, Do you truly love? And he used um, the Greek word agape. And then he asked him again, using the Greek word agape. And then he asked him the third time, and I'm going to butcher this word, but the filio, brotherly love, which I thought was interesting. And then it says, um, Each time Peter responded with. Or translated into Greek as filio. So he asks, do you love me unconditionally with this about the love? you. he's like, yeah, I have your back. Yeah, I'm totally with you. Yeah, love you. Yeah, you're my boy. To what? Like all three times. And then finally, Jesus is like, are you even my friend? And then the study Bible, of course, goes to kind of use its own feelings on this. But Jesus doesn't settle for a quick superficial answer. He has a way of getting to the heart of the matter. Peter had to face his true feelings and motives when Jesus confronted him. So I thought that was kind of an interesting idea. Like, he, it wasn't just, like, he, he wasn't just like, yeah, you're good. Like, but he kind of, like, pulled him out and, and always confronted him. And, like, so I thought that was interesting, because it does that with us, too. Yeah, like, you can't just get away with anything. Like, you can think that you're, like, ask forgiveness and move on, but, like, there's still consequences to the things that we do. Forever in our in our lives, in relationships, and so
0: many different things. So that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and how did how did Peter feel when he got to that third question? What is it? What does it say in the text? He was hurt. <laughs> that restorative process isn't always easy. It's like pouring peroxide on a wound. It doesn't feel all that good, but it's necessary for that healing to take place. And I, we were kind of talking about this passage, and, and last gathering, uh, J.R. put the, the image of Peter, uh, Jesus putting Thomas's finger into that wound. And in some ways, it feels like that's what Jesus is now doing to Peter. It's kind of like, it's not healed yet. I need to keep pressing into that. I need you to understand that I know how shamed you feel. But I'm giving you a place of honor. Somebody over here? Yeah. Well, it's interesting
3: you talk about this. I
0: feel like
2: this passage is like an onion. There's like lots of reasons why this happened. Um, I recently was listening to a talk about shame, and it's interesting that you brought that up, because I feel like that culture may have been shame,
1: but we as
2: humans, shame is one of the emotions that we all Mm -hmm. feel. Yeah. And what the speaker was saying was basically, until you deal with something head on with the person, you make up your own story as to what just happened. So I'm sure Peter had made up this story in his mind that, um, you know, Jesus hates me, I've denied him, he's never going to love me again. And it's almost like Jesus saying, like, look, we need to talk about this. Because until we talk about this and you hear the true story that I still love you and I still want you to follow me, you're going to believe a different story.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Dave. I don't even like <laughs> um, One of the things I thought was interesting was uh, thinking about how Jesus could have handled this. Like, why did he ask three times? I and mean, Jesus could have reassured Peter like that. But you read in after the second question, it said Peter was hurt. So Jesus purposely hurt Peter, brought him to his place of hurt in order to deepen his faith. And sometimes I don't think of Jesus that way. And, and yet Jesus took a tact with Peter to bring him to that place where he was going to feel the pain of what happened. And then of course you know he reassured him of being stable. But I just think that's interesting sometimes that's what God does he takes a loop of us to hurt us to deepen
0: our faith, because that's that's the end of deep our relationship. Yeah, I'll add to that. Uh, Doug shared with me a quote um, that I think is exactly what Dave was just saying. God takes us back to our places of failure to redeem them. He doesn't just cover it over. Oh, yeah, that's okay. No, let's move on. Like, no, you need to deal with this. (laughs) And it's going to hurt to deal with it. But there's a purpose, a much greater purpose to dealing with it. And I have so much more for you than just trying to cover it over, smooth it over, and move on. So much more out there for you. Um, Any other thoughts? Yeah.
3: Time has given us free will. And I think this shows that we will, he's kind of telling uh, Peter, you know, don't worry about John, He has his own path. We have a choice. We can go our own path, and you can come to me, and I am the way to go. Um, and I will forgive your sins. Um, don't worry about the past so much. Just learn from it and take care of my sheep. Love is also an action word. I think it's saying. Yeah. Take care of my sure. sheep, and everything will be well with
0: you. And yeah. John will take care of himself. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that Peter's, you know, like, yeah, Peter's finally getting it, and then he's like, well, what about John? And I think we're 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 quick to we're quick to say, oh, Peter, come on. But isn't that kind of a natural question? To be like, well, but what about him? What about her? I think in some ways it's a pretty natural question to be concerned. And, and I, think, I, I, I don't think the question is a wrong one, but I think Jesus is again saying, yeah, I've got plans for him too, but that's not for you to worry about. I want you to follow me.
2: It's almost like Jesus keeps on asking Peter if he loves him, but then right after that, it says, and the disciple that Jesus loved was on the right behind. And I think that's why Jesus settled with Peter, why he can say, you got it, you got it, and how you settle with this. do phileo, do you love me as a brother, I'll take that. Whatever you want to give me, I'll take it. But John got, and I think that was his understanding, and I think that's why throughout the book of John, we keep on saying, this is the disciple that Jesus loves, and that is what I think Christ is way more interested in with us than anything, because that speaks to our shame, that speaks to our guilt. It's not the miracles, it's not the bones. it's knowing that we have a God who loves us. He doesn't we don't boast in our love for him. We get to boast in his love for us. That's what I, I think we I get the most out of this.
0: Yeah, well said. Yeah. Yeah, I I like that idea. We don't get to boast about our love for God. And it's, it's interesting in this passage... Jesus is like, okay, yeah, you love me. Well, prove it. Like, lip service is pretty weak, you know. Um, and and to live out of that, I love you, and share that. And that's, I mean, that's picking up on a theme that runs throughout John. If you love me, love each other. This is the commandment I give you: love one another. This is how the world will know that you're my disciples. That you love one another. Love is an action. It's an honoring. It's a duty. It's it's service to others. Um, it's interesting too. I think uh, so. You know what are what are Jesus' last words to Peter? Follow me. This isn't the first time that Jesus has told Peter to follow him. Jesus also makes another interesting comment to Peter earlier in John. He asks Peter, or Peter says, you know, I'm going to follow you. I want to go with you. And Jesus says, you can't follow me now, but you will follow me later. And this is in the scene of the Last Supper. What changed between then and now? That now Peter can follow Jesus. I
2: think his love was established again. His love was established again. I mean it was always there, but it was
0: established for people. Yeah. Yeah, so the love is established. That relationship he's he's gone through some stuff and been restored. He has a better understanding of what it means to love Jesus, what it means to honor Him. Think about, John is very explicit about who cut off the ear of the servant in the garden. It was Peter. So Peter's got this honor idea, yeah, I'll go with you. I'm going to die with you. Let's duke it out. And Jesus is like, that's not what I'm about. That's not what I mean by follow me. I think the other thing that changes, and it's recorded earlier in chapter 20, uh, Jesus appears to the disciples and He says, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent Me, so I am sending you. Then He breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So I think that's another key change that has now happened in the life of Peter. He now has that Holy Spirit to guide him. In following Jesus and, and what that means, feed my sheep. I want to close with this. Jesus talks a lot about what it means to be a shepherd, and we see him echoing that call to Peter. And one of the things he says about the shepherd is the shepherd knows his sheep by name, and I find it very interesting that he's very intentional about saying, Simon, son of John. Peter's a sheep. But he's also been called to be a shepherd. Now, there's a lot of traditions where they'll ask you, turn to your neighbor. So I'm going to ask you to turn to your neighbor and tell them you're a sheep. (laughs) Sheep are dependent upon their shepherd. Alright? Jesus is that good shepherd. But the magnificent thing about Jesus as the shepherd who's ushering in the reign of God is that he also calls his sheep to participate with him. And that astounds me. You talk about what does this show about the character and nature of Jesus? This is astounding. Jesus leaves his ministry in the hands of these knuckleheads who he's been with for three years, It still doesn't seem like Peter fully gets it. We can find instances in the book of Acts where Peter still stumbles, but Jesus honors them and gives them that ministry to honor Jesus through honoring other people. He says, participate with me in my kingdom, in my vision. It's not cutting off somebody's ears. It's not going to war. It's humbly feeding some sheep. And I think that Peter gets this. He gets what it means to honor somebody. In the book of First Peter chapter five, I think we can see that Jesus' teaching has stood out to Peter. I'm just going to read First Peter five, two and four. Care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly. Not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. And when the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. So you are sheep, but you've been given a great task of honor to participate in God's reign, in God's kingdom. What gifts has God given you? What experiences has God given you? And who is God calling you to care for? Who is God calling you to be the shepherd to? Let's close in prayer. God, we thank you that you are persistent, God. Jesus, you're the one who healed blind Bartimaeus in his desperation. You're the one who healed and empowered the bleeding woman in her desperation. You're the one who compassionately fed the multitudes, the one who patiently and persistently taught and retaught and retaught your disciples. You're the one who turned over tables to challenge the privileged and powerful and make room for the weak and hurting. You're the one who who was unjustly crucified and buried in a tomb. You're the resurrected one who conquered death You're the one who vulnerably revealed your wounds to Thomas in his place of doubt. You're the one who took Peter back to his place of failure and shame to redeem and restore him. And you are the one who meets us where we are. And calls out to us in our desperation, in our brokenness, in our hunger, in our stubbornness and unbelief, in our weakness, in our misuse of power, in our injustice, in our doubts, in our failures, in our shame. And you call out to us. You call out to us. And you bid us to come and follow you. God, by your Holy Spirit, would you give us the power and the inspiration and the encouragement wherever we're at to take one more step to follow after you. In Jesus' name, amen.